Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the launch of the Arab Urbanism magazine. We're really delighted to have you and to have this conversation with two of the co-editors, Nadi Abu Saada and Noura Wahbi, and also an editor, Lana Jude, uh, and myself uh, as also an editor. And my name is Dean Sharp, and I'm an LSE fellow in geography and the environment. And I've been working in and on the Arab region for the past 15 years. Um, and this is my first Middle East Centre event, which I'm delighted about because uh, for those of you that engage the Middle East Centre regularly, you may see a bit more of me. I'm really delighted to say also that I'll be doing a project called Sustaining Kuwait in Unsustainable Times here with the Middle East Centre and also a project as part of the LSE academic collaboration with Arab universities called Lebanon Unsettled. Um, that's putting the recent protests in Lebanon within its broader geographical and historical context with the Lebanese University, Uzek. Um, so welcome everyone. And just to say that this event is recorded, um, so please be aware of that. And that we would also just like to thank the Middle East Centre and specifically Nadine Al-Manasfi for really her help and assistance in putting this event together and for, for allowing us to launch this, um, this platform. The website is now live and you can get the link to the website in the chat. Um, and I would also just say that, uh, you know, first and foremost, Arab urbanism is a community of uh, scholars, practitioners, um, across the Arab region and beyond, including people such as myself, who's based at LSE and a non-Arab, um, and you know, very much delighted to be part of uh, 17 editors that make up Arab urbanism, that take an approach around the Arab and the urban that is open, provocative, experimental, plural, and really tries to engage this medium through different artistic forms through photography. Behind me is an image from a photo essay from one of the contributions, um, short films, architectural and art criticism, more scholarly engagements, uh, and you know, trying to get the real breadth and depth of the Arab urban experience in its richest and most uh, enigmatic terms. So today we're going to start with a conversation with two of the editors-in-chief of Arab Urbanism. The first is Nadi Abu Saada, who is a PhD candidate in architecture at the University of Cambridge. His research focuses on urban governance and architectural shifts in Levantine cities in the 19th and early 20th centuries. And Nadi recently published in the Jerusalem Quarterly in the latest issue, the article Combined Action, Aerial Imagery and the Urban Landscape in Interwar Palestine, 1918 to 1940. And Nadi's co-editor is Nohra Wahbi, who is a ESRC postdoctoral fellow at the Department of Geography at the University of Cambridge. 
Her doctoral research at Cambridge Centre of Development Studies focused on the political economy of urban development and urban waterscapes in Cairo, Egypt. And that dissertation, it should be noted, won the Mesa Malcolm Kerr Dissertation Award. Um, and for those Mesa nerds, um, you'll, you'll know that that is a who's who of, uh, of Middle East Studies scholars that have won that award. And with me, she's also the co-editor of the book series for the American University of Cairo Press um, called Middle East Urban um, Studies that we uh, have just recently launched, actually. And we're going to have then, following um, the introduction by the two editors of Arab Urbanism, some reflections and discussions uh, with Lana Jude, who is uh, editor of Arab Urbanism um, along with myself. Um, and she is an architect who teaches at Berzeit University. She previously worked on the Rewat's rehabilitation projects of historic centers in Palestinian villages and on producing a manual for the rehabilitation of the old city of Ramallah. So now I'm going to pass over to Nadi and Nora, um, who are going to just show us the website and answer some of uh, the, and, and provide us with some of the context of, its, of, uh, of the website's beginnings. So over to you, Nadi and Nora. Great, thank you so much, Dean. Um, thank you for the intros. Thank you for the uh, Middle East Center for hosting us and Nadine for helping up to set up the event. Um, and I think a good way to kick off the conversation on Arab urbanism is to kind of contextualize a little bit the, the beginnings. Um, so over the past kind of couple of years, Nadine and I have been engaging um, in a lot of different circles that have looked at issues of urbanization and uh, the global urban condition in a variety of different ways. And um, specifically within academia, um, Nedi is kind of based loosely in architecture and urban history. Um, and I'm coming more of a background from development uh, and a politics uh, perspective. Um, and we've both kind of been involved in urban practice within the region as well. Um, and in those circles, there have been quite a few critical debates on what is the urban today? Um, what can we kind of uh, get to a, a universal global urban theory? Um, and what role do regional perspectives kind of play within, within this uh, larger debate? Um, and in those spaces, it's been kind of difficult for us to have in-depth conversations on the state of urbanism in the Arab region and really speak to the histories, the specific types of urban transformations that have been going on. So for us, we kind of felt it was quite an isolating experience, um, not just while we research in our own context, but also trying to speak to the region as a whole um, and to think through a lot of these relational meanings together. Um, so like, as some, some of us know, um, some of the larger geography conferences, for example, it was hard to find um, you know, full panels on uh, geographies of the region um, and on the other side in kind of the Middle East studies conferences um, a lot of the geography focused discussions have been have been far and few um, which is recently kind of started to, to kick off a bit so essentially the gap we've been encountering um, is to find kind of a more permanent space to share uh, ideas to debate to create knowledge information and expertise in and from the region 
Um, and as we started to, to, to get more into dialogue with a lot of other researchers and practitioners that share our interests, um, and specifically in critical research, we collectively decided to create this platform um, so that I can serve as a starting point to kind of keep these conversations going. Um, so I'll turn over to Nedi to, to kind of go through the platform a bit more in detail. And I'll attempt to share my screen to show the different parts of the website. So hopefully that goes well. Great. Um, first of all, thank you again to the LSE Middle East Center and uh, Nadine for organizing and Dean for your generous introduction. Um, so I'll speak a little bit about the platform we decided to build. Um, and Nora is sharing the screen. Uh, basically, we, we wanted this to be a bilingual uh, open access and accessible space that acts as an umbrella for uh, different interrelated projects, but each with, with their own uh, aim and, and trajectory. So the first project we, we launched um, a few months ago uh, is called Tafsila or Detail. Um, and we developed this project in partnership uh, with architect Wissam Al-Asali, who I think is in the audience, uh, and his research-based studio practice, uh, IW Lab. And, and they have a long experience working on projects from Damascus to, to, to Cuba. And the project came out of a desire to enrich uh, the production of scientific and technical knowledge about building practices and construction techniques in the region by framing them uh, through a critical social lens and encouraging people in the field uh, like architects and designers and building builders and uh, artisans to reflect on the influence of wider social and political conditions uh, on what and, and really how architectural details uh, are produced. Um, for example, one, one tafsila, which Noura, if you can uh, point to, is from the city of Amman by architect uh, Noor Marji. And, and she talks about um, how extended steel uh, reinforcements on building rooftops, which is something we see in, in many of our cities, uh, can actually tell you a great deal about uh, the social composition of different neighborhoods uh, within the city. And she actually uh, maps uh, how they begin uh, to slowly disappear as you move uh, from East to, to West Amman. So this begins to show us how, how micro details can be explained to explain, uh, can be used to explain uh, macro phenomena uh, of our urban condition, which is really our aim here. And, and so the project includes a database of different tafsilas and uh, an interactive map uh, with content from across the region, uh, from Saudi Arabia to Morocco. So I, I encourage you to, to explore it. Um, the second project, which is uh, the project we're launching now, and the reason we're all here today, is, is the magazine. And uh, the magazine has been over a year in the making, and um, we put out uh, an open, uh, non-thematic call to see what interest there is. Um, because at that point, we didn't really understand who our audience was um, and what people are interested in, in, in contributing. And we were, we were very happy to receive a great reception and people reached out to contribute. And we received out uh, over 100 submissions for our first call. 
which through the editorial process came down to, to 20. Uh, so now uh, we published 10 of, of, of those 20 and in the next uh, days and weeks we'll be publishing the other 10. And, and the contributions vary. Um, they feature the current contributions that are on the website. Feature a short film, a visual essay, a commentary, um, four long research papers, uh, three reviews. Um, and we can go into more detail about that later, but I'll leave it here for now. And Nadia Noor, as I mentioned at the introduction, you know, as much as a magazine, this is a, a community building process. So could you tell us, uh, firstly, who are the team that make up Arab urbanism and what this community is that you're building around this project? Um, great. Yes, I think I can speak to, to that a bit more. Um, so like you said, Dean, there's four of the editors already here, um, but we're actually 17 faces as part of the ed editorial board. Um, and it seems like a big number, but kind of since the beginning, it has been one of our main aims to, to really build this urban collective of researchers and uh, practitioners um, across the region so that we can come together and think through these big questions of the urban through different uh, disciplinary backgrounds and in different contexts. Um, so in terms of selection, when we first started off, we reached out personally uh, to some people who we, um, whose work we, we kind of knew about, um, but perhaps we've never actually met them or met them at, at different conferences. Um, others were kind of introduced to us through uh, the network we were building and it kind of had a snowball effect after that. Um, and kind of the main threads that we were looking at in building this collective was again, uh, to really try to think of the different geographies that should be included um, as well as different disciplines. And some of the ones that we have include architecture, geography, uh, construction, anthropology, design. Um, and, and another component was to also think through um, our involvement in activism, in practice, um, and of course, trying to, to bring in also the, the gender component. Um, so essentially, um, through these 17 people, we've been working on this issue together on a volunteer basis, and there's been a lot of time and effort kind of put into this. Um, and just to name everyone where, um, that's gotten involved, so we've got Dean and Lana, we have Leila, we have Majd, we have Anne, we have Omar, we have Hashim, we have Faye, uh, Ammar, we have two Dinas. Uh, we have Anwar, we have Diala, we have Ayan, we have Wissam, who's kind of focused on Tafsila. Um, and most of us didn't actually know each other, and we only met collectively on two occasions. Um, and the latest kind of being on Zoom a couple of weeks ago, of course. Um, and it was a great um, conversation, and there's this continuous debate that we've been having um, throughout this whole, pro uh, this whole process. Um, and I do want to highlight that it's a growing team um, and it's by no means is it complete. Um, and we're hoping to expand the network further, especially um, in areas like the Gulf region, the Maghreb, uh, Sudan and um, other contexts. Um, but as we expand, I think one of the main components that we really want to retain is this kind of tension and debate between our editors that we've been cultivating. Um, and this is kind of happening because of um, the inclusion of both researchers and practitioners and the different disciplinary backgrounds. Um, and, and it's been really helpful in while we're trying to kind of work through these multiple ur urbanisms of the region 
and to develop this kind of pluralistic approach. And, you know, having been part of that conversation, and I know, you know, every time we've also mentioned this project outside, we always get confronted with this question of, okay, Arab urbanism, what do you understand by Arab and what indeed do you understand by urbanism? Um, so as you said, Dean, this is a question we've been grappling with uh, since the very beginning, and it's, it's by no means a settled one, and by, by no means um, a question that we aim to stop thinking about at any point. I, I guess I'll make a few points here. I guess it's important to note that the primary question we aim to address through this platform, and this is evident, uh, I think, from the content of the magazine, is not what is Arab about urbanism, but rather how can we better understand urbanism or the multiple urbanisms uh, in the so-called uh, Arab region. And, and addressing this question points us to, to different sets of actors, including uh, Arab and you know, non-Arab uh, local groups like Kurds, Nubians, Amazigh, uh, and migrant communities, but also dominant colonial forces and foreign experts or even you know, visitors or, or, and tourists. Uh, and all of, all of these groups, their activities have been shaped by and helped shape uh, urban phenomena in, in this place that we, uh, that we are focusing on. And it is these networks of actors and forces and the interactions between them uh, that we are interested in. And, and they take place both within and outside uh, the region. Uh, for instance, one, one of the papers um, by Gabriel Polly uh, in this issue explores how British Orientalists interpreted urban space in Palestine in the late Ottoman era, and how that in turn translated into uh, British urban policy after World War I in Palestine. Another paper by uh, Stefan Manival looks into how the pilgrimage economy transformed Jeddah from the 1950s onward, uh, and looks at the architectural typology of uh, mass accommodations. And, and he analyzes the, the impact of these on, on uh, the experience of pilgrims. Um, so this is why, although our focus is primarily on, on this uh, loosely defined uh, area, we understand that, uh, and we understand well, that urbanism is hardly ever an insular process, uh, but one that is shaped through a constellation of, you know, local, regional, and global uh, forces. Um, Another point that I think is, is important uh, to make here is that uh, the Arab region is hardly a homogenous uh, place. Uh, I mean, we can perhaps trace common uh, threads uh, of urban experiences that are shared in this region, but these are only elements among many others that shape the, the urban condition. Uh, for instance, the influence of oil economies on the nature of urban life and the planning of Gulf cities is not something you find in the cities of Bilad al-Sham or, or the Maghreb. Um, the French colonial influence on the cities of the Maghreb in the 19th century is quite different from the experience of, uh, you know, Arab provincial cities that went through the Ottoman Tanzimat. Um, Similarly, the, the social composition of port cities is quite different from uh, interior urban centers and capital cities, like non-capital cities. Um, so I think what is interesting about the regional perspective is that it allows us, it allows for a closer look at how these multiple urbanisms and experiences um, 
from the Gulf to the Maghreb and opens up the space for their comparative uh, and relational uh, study. Now, to the, to the second component of, of your question, which is why, well, why focus on urbanism? Um, well, I think there's something that is shared amongst us uh, who work on, on this field and this area, uh, which is that we see the urban not merely as a background for, for social and political processes and changes, but that the urban and the built environment, environment are, uh, help shape uh, social and political processes and are shaped by them. Um, and through an urban lens, we can actually see things that we don't see uh, from a national or, or, or merely uh, geopolitical perspective. Uh, and so the issue of scale is, is quite important here. And, you know, at Tafsila, we begin addressing this um, at, at, at the very small detail um, of, of construction techniques and the use of materials. But also in the magazine's contributions, which look at the sphere of the political contestations and societal uh, shifts uh, at the scale of buildings and neighborhoods and cities, and between cities and their hinterlands. For example, uh, one of the contributions um, by, by Kauthar Salik uh, on Rabat um, examines the, the peri-urban development happening uh, in the city. And, and I think that's quite, that's quite important. And it, it sort of starts to break up the, the homogeneous characters uh, or characteristics of, of the regions and, and its binaries. And, and thinking about it um, as, as multiple urbanisms. And, and that's what I think we aim to highlight. Great. And now before we turn to Lana, I just want you to let people know a little bit about the editorial process and how indeed they can contribute if they wish to. Great. Um, I think I can walk through the process uh, um, quickly and kind of highlight some of the components that we wanted to really focus on while we were doing um, the editorial work. Um, so like Nadi previously mentioned, it was an open call. It was non-thematic. Uh, we received over 100 submissions. We um, accepted for review 80 articles. Um, and since kind of this, even at this early point, um, one of the things we realized that we could do is to start this kind of open dialogue with this wider community that have this shared interest. Uh, so one of the things we we tried to do was to give feedback to the rejected submissions, which I know we're not really used to um, having done in, in academia in general. And I think that was kind of like a, a commitment to an engagement and to start a dialogue on um, what we mean by critical research, um, and advice on how these different contributions can go forward. Um, and to also really think about how writing is accessible and could be accessible to, to, to different non-academic uh, audiences. Um, kind of the second process, um, the second component in the editorial process that um, I really want to focus on was um, assigning a lot of these contributions to, to our editors. Um, and one of the things we really set out to do was to challenge the editors uh, to read different types of articles that might not be in their discipline, not might be um, in their geographical location, um, and to really get out of their comfort zone and look at a lot of these contributions in different ways, um, which was kind of a way for us to really try to embed and to put into practice multidisciplinarity that we are kind of constantly uh, hearing but but not really doing in some ways. 
Um, so, so we went through kind of the, the 80 submissions over the last couple of months. We had a second round of feedback and we narrowed it down to these 20 articles for the first issue. Um, and I think this first issue uh, really speaks to the aim of us trying to understand um, the state of urbanism in the, the, in the region. Um, and to also really try to build up the different kinds of voices that we want to see um, in future issues afterwards. Um, and in trying to kind of cultivate this voice, um, this is a, has been um, a constant state of negotiation between all of the editors. Um, so just to pick out a recent interaction that I had with Ammar, who I think is also um, tuning in. Um, so we were both looking at the same article and he really pushed me to think through what a practice-based piece should actually look, look like. Um, and what kind of academic impositions we would be adding that might not actually be necessary for, for the article itself. And I think uh, Jumena Abbas's article is a great example of having kind of these multiple approaches um, to, to a single contribution. Um, and in terms of future contributions, and we can take this up further in the Q&A, um, but um, we're kind of planning for the next issues to be more thematic based. Um, and to, we'll put out a call for that um, um, in, in the over the next couple of months, um, but also to really think about different ways to bring people together into dialogue and debate on the platform itself. Thank you, Nora. Uh, just to say as well to everyone that if you do have questions, please put them in the Q&A box that you should be able to see at the, the bottom of your screen. Um, but now turning to Lana, I, as a professor at an Arab university, could you give us some sense of why this platform is important and in particular in relation to questions of knowledge production and the dual uh, linguistic approach of this, of, of the Arabic and English? Um, thank you. Thank you, Dean. And I'm so glad to be with you all. Um, well, as my colleagues, um, uh, explained, uh, our built environments are basically in the region are still under-researched and um, sometimes we forget as academics and we need to remind ourselves that there are physical manifestations, as Nadi said, of uh, social and political and economic realities and they are also used as a tool to create new realities um, by certain powers. Um, so the short answer would be uh, it, Arab urbanism is important because it's, um, it means more contemporary knowledge production on urbanism on the region. Uh, this knowledge production uh, hopefully will be largely in Arabic uh, language. Uh, it also means an active engagement and contribution of the academic communities in this um, process along with uh, other um, uh, groups like um, advocates or activists or uh, practitioners. And the fourth uh, reason, it's important because it brings more interconnected experiences within uh, neighboring geographies. So this is my short answer, but in order to elaborate more, um, I would like to make an argument that I believe that um, academic communities in the region need to view themselves as active citizens uh, participating in a more progressive um, and resilient and 
sustainable and inclusive process of urbanization when I'm talking about academics and uh, sociology or history or economics or political uh, um, science or architecture or urban planning. And so for this to happen, and it cannot happen without long continuous process of uh, um, critical and oppositional knowledge production, dissemination, and also accumulation. So we cannot talk about urban justice. Uh, we cannot talk about social and economic equality or the process of decolonization of space without um, tackling the issue and rethinking the issue of how knowledge is produced and how information is accessible. And whether we and whether it would feed into more mobilization, advocacy, and uh, activism uh, that would lead in more in contribution of many communities in shaping this urbanization process. And this brings me to the uh, issue of um, language. So for me, I believe that producing urban vocabulary uh, that people can link to in their lives and then in their, in their realities. Uh, I think this can help in unfolding complex issues with more localized concepts and missions and approaching urbanism in one's own language is I think uh, as important as importing other bodies of knowledge from other parts of the world um, in order to understand and have a, whole, a holistic uh, view of what urbanism means. So Arab urbanism as a platform, as an open access platform, I think uh, along with other new emerging platforms that have been emerging for the past uh, decade, I think they uh, contribute in, in, to introducing new process of knowledge production. Uh, and I don't, see, I don't see the academic uh, arena uh, as separate from this uh, process, but I see it as part of a bigger community, uh, as, I, as Nura said, of practitioners and advocates and activists and uh, even citizens who are interested in shaping their uh, urbanization uh, in a way. Great, thank you, Lana. Um, and for all three of you, but maybe Lana, if you could answer first, can you talk a bit more about the different fields that constitute contributions to Arab urbanism and this intersection of, of academia and practice? Um, well, I mean, I think that we were looking, we're, we're looking in a in different uh, disciplines where, uh, where human geography and history and urban planning and architecture and sociology, I mean, they all kind of meet in, in this platform. Um, the whole concept of unity of knowledge is something that is going back into the discussion on the table. So it's no, more, it's no, no longer about uh, separate uh, highly specialized uh, kind of narrow in scope fields that only look into things in a very specific, uh, from very specific lens. But we're talking about mixing and looking from different perspectives about one phenomena or one challenge or one problem that 
is facing our cities or um, even villages and uh, suburbs. So um, I think uh, the articles I came across uh, are so wide in scope, uh, tackling urbanization from different perspectives. Uh, probably Noura and Nadi can talk more about it, but um, I think that um, yeah, uh, this is so so much needed in, in, in when talking about urbanization and urbanism. I mean, and and even how to try to uh, define these uh, different terminal terminologies in a way from different fields and different perspectives. Building on, on what Lana is, is saying, I'll, I'll, I'll take that and, and sort of try to speak as to how that actually manifested in, in the article or the contributions in general. And, and I'll speak on, on the form and maybe Noura, if you want to add uh, something about the content. Um, but one of the things that came out uh, from uh, or because of the different fields and expertise uh, that people uh, have is, is the form of the contributions, the methods used, uh, and the media through which people actually wanted to express their ideas. Um, when we had first set out the call, we initially asked for long papers, short commentaries, and visual statements. Uh, so in a sense, it was our aim to include both academic and commentary-style research papers, as Lana was saying. Uh, but we were also open to, to different forms and media uh, so, so that we actually level the, the, the playing field and, and read academic pieces alongside uh, visualizations. And this helps us think about what each media offers to our understanding of the urban condition. Um, so, for instance, uh, the, ref the reviews uh, include autocritiques um, and a project review. So not only a book um, review, but a, a different way of, of actually reviewing uh, that, that might come out of, of practice. Uh, Noura mentioned earlier Jumana Abbas's paper. And, and what's great about it, I think, is that it's, it's a combination of a visual essay, but with a practice-based research and reflections on, on these practices. Uh, and, I think, and I think that's the sort of um, thing we're trying to encourage here. Uh, David Kendall's photo essay of Doha, which happens to be Dean's background, um, at night visualizes light as a structural component uh, that reveals and hides desired and undesired neighborhoods. Uh, so, so the different formatting uh, really reflects the variety of, of the approaches and understandings of the urban that begin to emerge by virtue of being inclusive to different kinds of fields of, of thought and practice. And I, I think this is, this is quite important. Um, and I think I can add a little bit on the content to, to what Lana also talked about. Um, and I think there were kind of two things we, we looked at. First of all, kind of um, the, the more academically inclined um, research contributions that came in. I think we really tried to um, work through uh, cutting down a lot of the jargon, um, making it more accessible to non-academic um, audiences, and to really push the authors to think through the type of knowledge that they're producing and why they're producing it and how it could be relevant to someone from a different discipline or from a different part of the region. Um, so kind of to get away a bit more from 
um, a lot of the abstract uh, theoretical um, frames that might not be useful in, in some cases. Um, and I think the second thing was, again, to try to break down a lot of the, the disciplinary binaries. Um, so I know in some cases, the reviewers were quite harsh <laughs> with the authors um, because they were reading things coming from, from a different background. But I think it really pushed some of the submissions to have this fluidity between architecture, geography, and politics and using the urban as the lens to, to kind of, like as Lana said, bring this unity of knowledge together. Um, and I think another kind of binary was um, the practice versus uh, academic kind of um, submission. So, um, Nedi, do you want do you want to talk about that one a bit more? Sure. Um, I, I I think this idea of of having both practitioners and, and researchers uh, be in the same space, um, and as as you were mentioning, interact with with the same materials. Uh, manifested quite differently in, 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 in the two projects, actually. And uh, for instance, um, in Tafsila, uh, which we've been working on with Wissam, uh, it was the, the research uh, in us trying to push the practitioners to, to consider the political elements and the social dimensions behind their, their very technical work. Um, in the magazine, it was probably the, the opposite. I, I think it was the practitioners pushing us as researchers to, to think about um, how we write and, and the way that we review and how that relates to, to forces uh, on the ground and to think as a, of, a, of a grounded theory, as, as Lana was, was, uh, was mentioning earlier. Um, but, but many of us have, have also worked in, in both fields. So I, I think it's, it's always important um, to, to think about urbanism and to write about urbanism through both lenses simultaneously and, and to move beyond the, the binary that, that separates them in, in disciplinary terms. Um, so I, yeah, these are my two cents on, on this. Can I just add one more thing, Dean, if there's a bit more time? Yeah, <laughs> I think on, on the language point, and I think we got something from that also um, from, from somebody from the audience. Um, so this, this idea of language is really integral to the platform, having this bi, uh, bilingual platform um, with so submissions coming in in both English and in Arabic. And we ended up having interactions with some authors in French, English and Arabic and, and different types of conversations. And I think even the nuances in Arabic, for example, were super fascinating for me. Um, and, and really thinking through how one linguistic device could give a very different, uh, a very different take on what is the urban. So in Kalsar's piece um, that was on peri-urbanism and robot, um, one of our Palestinian editors kind of picked out the concept of tedbir turabi wawahdet turabiya which is something it's, it, we hadn't come across or encountered before. And we kind of pushed Kosor to explain what that is in, in, in the context of a Maghribi context um, and to see what that means to um, conceptualize the urban in, in this way. Um, and I think similarly in Pierre and Jetan's commentary uh, where they provided a summary of their special issue which was in a French journal um, and to really think through uh, the Francophone sphere and how the Francophone sphere conceptualizes certain types of urbanisms and the type of knowledge produced 
um, from these perspectives. So they were looking specifically at the Zebelin, who are the uh, waste uh, collectors in Cairo and their urban context. Um, and they really brought to the conversation how something like 15 master's theses and five PhDs have all been written on this one anthropological object of study and what this adds and what this hides and how this even changes the, the, the type of academics that, that we do. Um, so I think thinking through these language nuances and as, as someone said in the chat, using language as a frame of thinking and not just a, a, um, a linguistic um, device, um, it really highlights kind of the nuances across the region and the different regional urban schools of thought, um, which for me is what kind of Arab urbanism is, is trying to do and is, is all about. Thank you, Nora. I um, I'm going to turn to the the Q and A and the questions now. So please, as a as a, do put your questions in um, in this Q and A box. Um, and I, I'm actually going to start with the the question um, that was last put on because I think it is an important point of clarification um, from from us. Uh, Shireen Dumar asks: Is the magazine only online, or is there a printed version too? So currently it is, it is online. When we initially started, uh, we, we did want to, to, to have both editions, a print edition and an online edition. Uh, this is something we're, we're, still, um, we're still discussing among ourselves. Uh, with COVID sort of moved everything online by nature. And I, but I think uh, this is something that we'll, uh, We'll have to see. One thing we were we were considering is printing out uh, thematic special issues, while having the the online magazine uh, have more content that, that comes out uh, more regularly. Um, so we'll we, we're still uh, discussing this, and, and we'll come up with a statement on it um, in the upcoming weeks. Great. Um and Zaidu Zaidu asks, um, why go for a magazine instead of an academic journal, especially that most of the editors are from academic backgrounds? I think this was something, yeah, Nadi. <laughs> um, I think this was something that we also uh, talked about um, with the group and, and together. And I think the, um, a magazine for me is more accessible um, and reaches a wider audience than something that's academic and very focused and targeted to a certain to a certain sphere. Um, and I think even though we have our academic hats on and we are part of this uh, knowledge production in these very exclusive spaces, but I think opening it up and having this, this platform um, to reach a more diverse uh, um, audience and to also have a more diverse conversation um, I think journals and academic journals really limit people to the types of um, debates that they can engage in as um, in content and in form. And I think having a more experimental ground um, allows for different conversations to come up and for, uh, for different kind of threads and theorizations to, to, to happen elsewhere. Just to add briefly that, that I think um accessibility does not undermine rigor. I mean, we did go through a very uh, rigorous editorial process uh, that you know one could think is, is 
quite similar to, to the editorial process of journals. Um, and uh, I mean, I myself sit on, on the Cambridge Architecture uh, Journal for, for this year, uh, uh, the editing theme of it. And I mean, I think what we did in Arab urbanism was actually much, much longer of a process than, than there. Um, so, so I think um, accessibility is, is the point here. And, and by accessibility, I don't only mean um, uh, it's it being online and open and free. Uh, so that's, that's an important com component, but also the, the way in which um, scholarship is, is talked about that, that is actually closer to the realities that we're, 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 we're trying to cover and, and not distance, distant uh, from it. And I, I think that's, that's the point. And from um, Heidi Osvard, um, just want some more information on what the procedure to submit a contribution for future issues is besides calls for, uh, I think, um, I referring to special issues or, or certain thematics. Yeah, I'll put in the chat kind of our email, um, which which you can get in contact with us on, even if it's with, with for an idea, with an abstract, and we can talk about um, the ways that, that there can be more contributions um, for the future. And Kathy McArdle asks, did you receive any articles on the theme of how behaviors and interactions between different ethnic, faith, class, and social groupings are shaped by and enacted within the diverse urbanisms in the Arab world in both positive and negative ways? And in relation to that, in which urban environments are intercultural exchange and encounter taking place and differences of identities being negotiated? What I can say is that we did receive and we will be publishing, it's, it's one of the upcoming 10 pieces actually, is a piece on the question of regionalism when talking about urbanism. And it's very critical uh, of, of regionalisms, including the idea of Arab urbanism. And, and I think it's important that we take seriously this, this critique uh, because uh, it is a critique that we ourselves also have and, and share and I think um, we must be open to it. Um, I'm not sure if that addresses the full question, but 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 uh, definitely be on on the look for for this article, which will come out soon. And I, I mean, perhaps I would just add that you know I think throughout every every urban environment there is always intercultural exchange and encounter constantly taking place, which is which is why the urban is always such a fascinating object of of study. I mean. I think urban by its very definition is one that is deeply plural um, and and it always uh, kind of takes on that that inter exchange um, and encounter the, even with the most ferocious attempts to in, prevent it from happening. I think one of the the most positive aspects of which there are many negative aspects about urbanism and urbanization that no doubt our magazine will, will be full of. But one of the most remarkable things about it and, and is this, this inherent almost ontological plurality that is embedded within the urban, the urban process. Um, so uh, Bruce Stanley asks, to what extent are you thinking cities as processes and relational embedded in city networks, which are often transboundary and translocal. 
So much of the regional urban studies are standalone case studies rather than relational C to C lens. Lana, do you want to take this one? <laughs> um, I think actually also the article that uh, Nadi referred to also talks about this kind of interrelational um, connections between different geographies. Uh, I, I totally agree that we tend to uh, isolate uh, cities and study them as cases uh, instead of finding the connections in between uh, different, uh, uh, different cities in one region or in other uh, regions and trying to try to find um, commonalities, uh, whether uh, under the current um, economic, global econo economic system or uh, through uh, different geopolitical uh, kind of um, phenomena and um, uh, processes. I, I, I totally agree. I think that one, there, there should be uh, an emphasis on finding uh, connections and relationships and trying to uh, study uh, geographies in terms of also networks, not only uh, as uh, separate uh, um, urban centers. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated with this because uh, I, I also read a lot of um, yeah, historians who try to build this relationship um, uh, among different, um, uh, you know, uh, urban centers, but in whether in the 19th century or the early 20th century uh, in Palestine and beyond. So yeah, I, probably you can uh, emphasize or bring uh, uh, some examples from the articles that you um, reviewed, uh, if there is any example of kind of... Um. <laughs> one one article, I mean, the article by Gabriel that, that I mentioned earlier actually um, looks at two cities, not one. Both are within um, the boundaries of Mandate uh, Palestine, um, Haifa and Nablus. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're cities that if we think about today, uh, I mean, we hardly think about in relation to each other. Um, Haifa is a, is a port city, you know, it was almost the, the the British economic capital of, of Palestine uh, during the Mandate era. Nablus uh, has a link to, to inland trade routes uh, to Damascus. And so, so there's very different spheres um, of, of urbanism in, in, in many ways. And, and Gabriel talks about uh, the, the British perceptions of these different urban spaces. You know, what is modern, what is unmodern, what is traditional, what is untraditional. And I think I always, I mean, uh, I, I think the, the relational perspective uh, of, of thinking about cities, uh, not only as, as oppositional experiences, so not, not mere comparison of what is similar, mm. what, is, what, is, uh, what is opposite, but, you know, the relationships between them, how, how they influence each other. And, and of course, I mean, the, the, the importation and exportation of, of urban knowledges across the, the region is not is not something new. I mean, this is a, this is something that, um, that that shapes urbanism uh, historically in, in the region and is, is very emphasized in, from the nineteenth century onward. Um, so I, I think I think that's a very important question and very important point. 
And I would hope um, that at some point we're able to, to create a platform not only for you know, publishing uh, an article about uh, the city and that city, but to actually bring in the contributors together to, to discuss a, a common theme or thread um, uh, that is shared, uh, that, that is a shared concern uh, amongst all of us working in the region. I think one thing I can add to this as well is um, one of the conversations we were kind of also having is thinking through the hierarchies within Arab knowledge production as well and and kind of the different cities that um, have are kind of the usual suspects um, or associating certain cities with certain phenomenon. So if you talk about Cairo, then it's Ashwaiyat. If you talk about Beirut, it's something else. And this continuous um, kind of like, in a way, stigmatization or really putting certain cities in certain boxes and not really thinking through um, what are some of the other ways that, that we can think about um, the urban phenomenon. Um, happening in a city like Cairo from Beirut or from Rabat, understanding um, different types of uh, North African kind of threads and and connections that that again have been happening um, for for a long time through the different histories. So I think also trying to think through the different hierarchies in the type of knowledge production that that we're doing um, and decentering um, some of these stereotypes and some of the some of the the case study approach um, is is something we can look at too there's a wonderful discussion going on in the q a uh, uh, in arabic around the question of arabic and and so uh, we have talked about it a bit but i think it is worth um just a bit of an extended discussion um and lana you, we we've talked about this previously as well um you know not just thinking about um, maybe modern standard Arabic, but also the different dialects. Um, so maybe if you could talk a little bit to that, um, and also you've mentioned, and, and I wanted you maybe just elaborate before of this important um, translation work that needs to be done with urban concepts um, into Arabic and, and perhaps how that also relates to then the dialect conversation as well. Well, I mean, I can give some examples. Uh, so years ago, when I was studying or reading about informalities in, in Egypt, for example, I mean, how much, no matter how many articles that you read about informality, but I mean, in one short video I watched online, uh, a, a citizen in a neighborhood, informal neighborhood, he said just four words. Um, he said, uh, So, I mean, this kind of the dialect, the local manifestation of what informality to the citizen is, for me, I mean, it summarized a lot of what I was reading academically. So, and I'm sorry, Lana, just to, to, could you translate that for those that aren't Zatia, uh, It means, uh, and Nura can help me. Uh, <laughs> these are not. Uh, slums these are self-efforts right mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah so basically i mean i'm trying to bring this kind of example to not only for me as a researcher or an academic but also imagine the students uh, studying about informality in arab universities so 
where do you find these videos? You don't find them in academic journals and you don't find them in the official uh, media outlets. You find them in these open source platforms that, try, try, that are trying different formats and bringing um, and producing knowledge about urban environments. Um, another example um, would be if, if you are teaching ur what uh, urban renewal is uh, 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 from the history of the United States. Uh, so you would talk a lot about the war between Jean, I mean, Jane Jacobs and Robert Moses, and you would talk about the history of New York and all of this. But then again, and I don't know why I'm bringing all the examples from Egypt, but there is a small video about the citizen, uh, the, the, the residents of Maspiro before the demolition of Maspiro, talking about what this neighborhood means or the area means to them, how nonsense is to move them out from the this area and put them in the middle of nowhere um, uh, as a way of compensation, what they think of the government. I mean, they, they, these are live testimonies from the citizen themselves. And I try, actually, I, um, in a way, I showed these two videos, the, the film about Jane Jacobs, uh, Citizen Jane, and this small video, short video from Maspiro residence. And the students interacted more with this because it's also contemporary and it's, it's just happened years ago, two years ago, or maybe one year ago. So then we, we will try to, okay, so what urban renewal means? I mean, um, what does it mean in Arabic? What is the right definition for urban renewal? Uh, because it comes in, in from um, different geography with the whole package of the context where it emerged. But then if you try to find it somewhere else and try to understand it as it emerges, probably there is a use of another word for it. Mm. Uh, these are some examples of why it's important to identify and find the right terminologies uh, from the local context. In addition, I'm not dismissing the whole issue of understanding what urbanism globally and studying all these theories, but I'm just trying to say how it's important to be accessible um, in a way. I think to, to add to that um, really quickly, um, I think this is also something that's been really talked about in, in a lot of the debates on Southern urbanisms as well. So in, in one of the articles that Gautam Ban, who places himself as a practitioner as well, um, and really trying to say that we can't come up with these, you know, local understandings and a southern perspective or um, what, a whatever kind of regional perspective without basing ourselves in the urban practice and um, of, of the local context. So he uses like um, different words to, to explain um, some of the some of the urban kind of conditions, but what it means in an Indian perspective and for certain residents and in different ways and how kind of switching that conceptual framework can impact urban planning and can be useful for the people who are shaping the cities, whether they're using their self-efforts or for the government to you know, meet somewhere and actually realize that we're operating on different planes and different fields. Um, and I think this is super important, especially in, the, in, in our region and other regions with the kind of imposition 
of uh, donors of the private sector of all these different actors that are also operating in the urban condition. So something like UN Habitat coming in and saying we need to formalize the informal because of it, it kind of worked in a Latin American context um, and we need to think through this and what it means to give land titles to people in informal areas, um, but not actually engaging with what is happening on the ground and what the, the, the local frame of thinking and practice would mean for, um, for formalizing something, something like the Ashwaiyat. Um, and I think there's, there's something very powerful in that, in, in going back to these local frame, frames of thought. There is another example of the word gentrification, for example, in terms of the dialects. I mean, I, I find it interesting that I've been following for a few years now, what is the right translation of gentrification? So some people use Berjazat al Ahya al Fakira, another istibdal uh, tabaqi. But I mean, you you identify with these terminologies in Arabic much better, probably as students. I'm talking about as students who have, I mean, some kind of um, language barrier. Uh, and I'm I'm talking about students, but also imagine other groups of interested audiences who are who want to know more about certain um, issues of urbanism but I mean there is a lot of kind of this language barrier so yeah I mean and uh, some people uh, put istibdal uh, tabaqi in one word and called it istitbaq uh, so these kind of debates about what is the right definition of this phenomenon I mean I'm looking forward to have urban urbanism as a platform for this kind of debate and discussion about the emerging new vocabulary uh, that kind of described what the, 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 the conditions we live in. Yeah, and, and equally, just to say, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to how concepts like Ashwaiyat can, can say to uh, places like uh, abandoned urban areas and, and the urban condition within, uh, within the so-called West as well. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that that's definitely a, a, a conversation we really want to encourage at, at Arab urbanism. Um, moving to Sharifa Al-Shalfan, um, in terms of the GCC, uh, you mentioned that you have not tackled um, GCC cities yet. Was that intentional? And how do you plan on addressing these cities? Could you repeat the question? Sorry. Sure. Uh, you mentioned that you have not yet tackled GCC cities. Was that intentional? And how do you plan on addressing these cities? It's, it's not that we haven't tackled them. Uh, we have. Uh, Dean's background is from one of the <laughs> contributions that, that do tackle it. Um, but we plan to expand more because I, it's, it's not sufficient at the, at the moment. So, so no, it, it, it's not an intentional thing. It's something that we, we want to encourage more than, than uh, we have so far. And I, in the next batch as well, there's another photo essay on Abu Dhabi, uh, which is also very fascinating that will come out. But I think it, it basically depends on the types of submissions we get. Um, I think at the beginning, we put up uh, a visual of the, the different geographical relocations we got um, submissions from. Um, and it was 
a lot of Egypt, a lot of Lebanon, a lot of Palestine, but also different other contexts. And I think, yeah, it's something that we recognize. We we want to expand the network in that way. Right. Um, Ahud Kamal has a very interesting question. Um, so in his, uh, their uh, knowledge of the, the literature on Arab urbanism, um, they note that there's generally rich ethnographic and profound idiosyncratic knowledge, mostly narrated in the format of empirical description. This is important, but there is also the importance to move beyond this to create new geograph geographies of theory. Is this something you're aware of? Mm -hmm. Are you planning to address it? and create a conversation with all these micro-narratives that this uh, magazine is established for. Just to clarify, what was uh, the question about production in, in Arabic or, or in general? I think in general. I mean, what, one of the things we faced with, with a lot of the Arabic uh, submissions was that um, a lot of them were confining to a very rigid uh, structure um, of, of analysis. You know, we're using theory uh, X, we're, we're um, this is how we're using it. So it's very empirical, you know, and, and, and statistical and, and um, uh, scientific sort of approach to, to understanding urban phenomena. And, and, and it actually uh, drove a discussion and Nura and I had, had a very long discussion as to, uh, and maybe Lana could, could tell us more maybe about, you know, the, the nature of, uh, of, of how teaching um, uh, or what teaching requirements are that, that, because a lot of these submissions came from students uh, at, at Arab universities. Uh, and and we, we, engaged, we engaged with these submissions and we, we tried to, to both push ourselves to, to understand why are these uh, papers written in this format? Um, and how does that relate to a specific department that this person might be actually part of or trained at? And, and also push the authors to consider other ways in which they can express uh, their ideas more freely without, without being shackled to, 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 the, uh, to, to a very um, empirical approach, which, which we encourage, of course. I mean. Uh, all of our research is based on empirical material, but it's, it's how we frame it and how we understand it and how we interpret it. So I, I think, um, so it, it is something that, that we've been uh, discussing. And the others want to add something. Yeah, I think um, this idea of building new geographies of theory, um, which is a very Ananya Roy kind of approach, um, really, I think it really speaks to us as well in, in what we're trying to do. Um, I think it's true that a lot of the, as we said, there's a very case study approach to, to urbanism in the region. And I think one of the things we, we had talked about is um, bringing different people into dialogue with each other and um, publishing a debate between, between other um people from different contexts and from different disciplines to think through what um, a new geography of theory could look like. Um, I think we kind of did that with, uh, with the impressions we got from the different editors. So in our kind of editorial letter at the end, we've added um, what a lot of our editors 
um, think of as Arab urbanism, what it means, what it means um, to, to the field. Um, and I think at some point, maybe going beyond that and, and having to, to engage authors and the editors as well in, in coming up with how we can um, um, bring about this more regional, regional perspective. So I think it's a, it's a really good point to, to think through. And a question from Noor Abdulhamid um, is, has there been any interest in looking at external influences on the practice of urbanism in the Arab region? The reality is that many international firms from afar plan Arab cities through urban and master planning, impacting the future of these cities based on economic or political factors. Yeah, I think we definitely can't get away from that. <laughs> um, and I think um, uh, maybe not in this issue, but I think we can we can go back and, and have a look in the articles again. But again, like the World Bank, UN Habitat, a lot of the architectural bureaus that are based in London, based in New York, um, are doing a lot of the urban practices and the urban planning um, for the governments and um, um, in a lot of these spaces. So um, I think engaging with the political and economic forces, I think it's been my mission in Arab urbanism to get the architects to kind of look at the politics, look at the, the wider kind of implications of um, what private actors bring to the table. Um, what are they hiding? What, what different types of urbanisms are coming about because of their, because of their, um, their impact, but also the different types of um, mobilizations and resistance and movement um, that subvert these these very top-down approaches um, in the everyday. Um, so not necessarily as something as uh, flagrant as an uprising or revolution, but even in the very small kind of micro um, practices that, that communities engage in. Thank you, Nora. Um, just to quickly answer Shireen Damar's question about what the relationship between Arab urbanism and LSE is uh, and where we're based. Um, to answer the first bit of the question, I mean, the connection between Arab urbanism and LSE is me. Um, I, I'm a fellow in geography and the environment here and uh, and also do uh, a lot of work in the, the Middle East Centre and will be doing it, uh, especially in the next two years. Um, on questions on Arab urbanism, um, and, and I very much hope, I, I've only recently myself joined LSE, but I very much hope um, that uh, really can build a, a community of interest around Arab urbanism, and, and certainly within the LSE community, if you're interested in joining um, and being part of Arab urbanism, please do let me know, and even if you're outside, also let me know. Um, but um, and, and in terms of where we're based, uh, I think that's a very important question, and, and I'm just to say uh, that, you know, we're, we're really, there's 17 of us at the moment. Um, so, you know, and, and there has a, a broad geographical reach, but uh, maybe um, everyone can, can film, fill in a, a bit more. But in terms of um, what I know, certainly we're, we're based obviously in the UK, um, in, in France, um, the US, uh, and within the region, Lines obviously in Palestine, um, Egypt. Help me out. Well. Egypt, of course. <laughs> Lebanon. Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah. How could I forget Lebanon? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Moving in and out of places. Yeah. Yeah. 
and we very much, as, as I think has been emphasised throughout the conversation, you know, really want to uh, ensure that we have a deep and broad re number of people situated within the Arab region, um, you know, from Mauritania to, uh, to Yemen. Uh, and also, you know, as I think we're emphasising again, we have this open aspect. So if you're in Turkey and Istanbul and you want to be part of an Arab urbanism conversation, we are open. Uh, every door is, is open to that um, and, and really want to encourage it. Um, so uh, Amar Azuz, who's one of our editors, um, asks, uh, can you tell us which country submitted the highest number of pieces um, and why uh, that was the case? And are there submissions from war-torn cities? I think Nadi's uh, trying to go back to our visualization <laughs> and find that. But I remember the competition between being Egypt and Palestine. <laughs> yeah, lar largely Egypt. I mean, the, so the list of countries in which we, I'll, I'll just read the list. Uh, we got from Egypt, Palestine, Lebanon, UAE, Kuwait, Syria, uh, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Tunisia, Libya, Yemen, Algeria, Morocco, and Qatar. Um, these were the, the submissions we received when we put out the call nearly a year ago. And um, uh, why Egypt, why Palestine? Maybe because there's uh, a few Palestinians on, on the team and maybe the, the call reached uh, Palestinians, although we're, we're, what, 8 million people in the region. Uh, Egyptians, uh, I mean, I don't know, Noura, you can maybe speak to this, but I think maybe because uh, uh, urban scholarship on the region might be focused on a few places uh, and Egypt is certainly one of them um, and Lebanon as well. Um, so I, I think the point is that in, in the upcoming issues, I mean, now that Arab urbanism um, has begun and, and has been launched and our audience now is very different than from our audience one year ago. And I think now, I mean, we're receiving emails from people from uh, all sorts of places. So, so I think, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we would hope that we, as, as Nora was saying, we, we would move beyond the, the usual suspects of, of, uh, of urban studies. Um, I, I, think, I think one important point is that a lot of the submissions are not on capital cities. And, and I think this is also something that, that's quite important. Um, it's, it's um, yeah, there are cities that we don't read about very often in academic scholarship that have been covered uh, and will be covered in the upcoming 10 uh, pieces. So, I, so keep uh, on the look for that. Um, the Golan Heights is, is an example of a, an occupied territory that, that is covered in, 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 in the articles. And I, and I think the, 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 yeah, the, the, that specific article is, is very important and has been very important to this issue. Um, so I encourage people to, 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 look, to look at and, uh, the, the, the articles we have now, but also uh, wait for the, for the next 10 pieces because they will also address this. And I want to move to Dina Zayed's question, which I think is an important one um, and, and relates to also the last question is, why basically the, the urban studies conversation within the Arab region has been one that uh, is not uh, 
well developed. I mean, it is that as she notes, um, there are many silences within studies on urban space in the Arab world. Um, despite the large literature that's going around climate change and urban ab adaptation. Um, so, yeah, why, you know, I think all of us are, have kind of been encouraged that there's been such a strong response to Arab urbanism, but uh, at the same time surprised that there isn't also this initiative already that we were kind of starting uh, in, in an empty arena. Um, despite the fact that we were able to gather, you know, a, a strong community quite quickly around this. I think um, on this point, for me, um, it seems like a lot of the urban conversations were happening internally within certain country contexts. And I think, again, it could be related to um, the different types of scholarships that, that um, were kind of dominating in certain contexts. Uh, different types of institutions. So, for example, the Sedej in Cairo is one of kind of the, the has a very strong urban focus. Um, and I think it really, um, it really varies from one context to the next. Um, I think this, like you said, Dean, this idea of having something that brings us uh, all together um, onto one platform was something that we, we, we were missing. Um, and, and this idea of what urban studies is, um, I think has long kind of been um, looked at from perhaps an architectural and a more technical kind of way that seemed very um, impervious to, to kind of other disciplines to, to enter into. I think now when political scientists are trying to look at something and they just add in space and place as, as something that's a very token um, engagement, that's also a problem. So kind of building this, um, this discipline of urban studies with different kind of um, people coming in from the different backgrounds, I think it's just hard to find the physical space that does this, the intellectual community that does this, um, and, and to, to kind of open up these conversations away from, from very specific disciplinary um, um, binaries. I also think that there is a momentum now uh, building up um, in the past few years. And I, I also agree with you that, I mean, certain cities in the Arab region has this kind of, um, you know, knowledge accumulation over the past years uh, using these online platforms. So if you, I mean, Cairo and Beirut, I mean, they have really interesting uh, online platforms and magazines and um, uh, and a lot of research going on uh, on the ground uh, about the built environment and urbanism uh, in a non-technocratic or maybe non-technical uh, way uh, that's kind of accessible to the reader, to the everyday reader. Uh, and this is really, I think this is important to have this kind of material accessible to the everyday uh, kind of um, browsing the net in a way, uh, but not uh, without, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to undermine the um, the importance of having rigorous research and academic research, but also trying to find different formats. But um, I think it's building up. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm being optimistic about it. Great. Uh, Jenny Gustafsson asks, um, are there any specific voices uh, that are absent um, 
in Arab urbanism uh, and what what if there are are there of course there are voices that are absent i mean every every voice that is not in, in the 20 contributions is absent um and uh, they vary they vary from you know certain disciplinary backgrounds are absent uh, certain uh, people who come from certain geographies are absent there are many absences um and and i think that's that's what we're, we're trying to to uh, address in our next issues and i think to finish off um from bruce stanley um will you deal with the nocturnal body or the carceral spaces and practices that are on the dark side of arab urbanism such as policing as a practice of punitive urbanism i think definitely um it would be something it would be really great if we get these types of submissions um to help us think through um uh, at a more at a different kind of scale the i think there's been a lot of recent research on the body um and and its place within kind of the the built environment um and sensory kind of urbanism um and and these kinds of um new emerging um geographies um i think animal geographies is also something that that's recently come up um within uh, the field that that I think would be fascinating to to hear about from the different contexts, um, and and yeah, we're we're very open to 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 getting um, to even being challenged on the way that we're looking at urbanism um, and the and the to kind of mainstream narratives that that are taking place within within the debates, um, and to and to kind of yeah think think through that together. And, and to open up the space for the debate. Yeah, I mean, I mean cities, as we all know, are sites of contestation um, and uh, between power and, and counter power. And, and you know, uh, the carceral element is, is something that is, is, that is very significant in, in the cities of the region. And I think uh, having contributions uh, that, that deal with this uh, issue would be, would be very, very important. Um, at the same time, we also try to highlight that that's not the only reality of, of the, these cities, uh, that spaces of resistance to these carceral experiences also exist. Um, and, and those deserve uh, to, to be documented as well. Uh, so so it's, it's this tension that, that we, we certainly seek uh, to, to really address. Great. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, for coming to listen to us. Um, you know, I think as is clear, we're just getting started. Um, and as uh, as I've said, there are ten out um, at the moment on the website. Please go and check them out. Um, and in the coming um, weeks, there'll be another ten uh, launched. We are planning on doing this print magazine, so please do look out for that. Get in touch. Contribute. Um, and, you know, we're delighted to see the enthusiasm and support and we need all of your enthusiasm and support to make this uh, happen. It, it is uh, only through your demands that can kind of really create the space um, for this type of content to really be sustained um, and, you know, uh, strongly into the future. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone.